Hey Bears fans, uh, welcome once again to a new episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. I'm Ryan. Ryan is our special guest today and we're going to sit and comment on the Bears so you don't have to. Uh, this week we're going to look at uh, some players that we think uh, we really need to see step up uh, when it comes to the new season. Um, first off though, we're going to have our new guest, uh, Ryan, uh, he goes to the Bears Bar, Allery's Bar, with us as well to uh, sit and commiserate. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about um, your uh, your experience so far in this offseason. Well, you know, my, my experience has been more frustration with George McCaskey than anything else. And I think most Chicago Bear fans are pretty much at their end of their rope with where his ownership is. Definitely. And I was recently in Oregon golfing. Fantastic. Head Chicago Bears head covers. The starter comes to, up, comes up to me and starts going on a 10-minute rant about George McCaskey and ownership. <laughs> 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 it was pretty good. But, you know, it triggers one thing after another. And if, if memory stands, what George McCaskey did last time is that he consulted Ernie Accorsi which inevitably led him down the road of Ryan Pace and Matt, well, John Fox. Yeah. Repeating, as insanity tends to do, we're consulting Bill Polian, and now we've been led to Ryan Poles and to Matt Everflute. Not, not that those two don't know what they're doing, but where, what is George McCaskey doing? <laughs> I, it, it's, one, it's one situation after another where you're convinced... That the Bears are just a total nightmare right now. I mean, the idea of losing Akeem Hicks and Alan Robertson and, and Bill Nichols and Eddie Goldman and Khalil Mack and, <laughs> and James Daniels and signing Dakota Dozier? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you got to be kidding me. It's good to hear are, that. Are the, we even trying to go 0-17? It's good to hear that the McCaskey incompetence has made its way to Oregon. Of all <laughs> oh, it has. It has. He, he, he is known nationwide and worldwide, I assume. Yeah, so I, I think that... Hey, he did get all dressed up in Bears gear from head to toe to hire the new GM. Well, and I think that is something to note because I agree that there were similarities between Accorsi and Polian. However, I think one noticeable difference here is that if you go back and read all of the reporting about Pace and Fox, it seemed like the two of them kind of came as a packaged deal and that others around the league were for some reason involved in getting Pace to be the general manager of the Bears. A few episodes ago, we talked about how that was kind of the master plan of Mickey Loomis, who's the current Saints general manager, why he was involved in the Bears search, I'll never know. But it sounded like there was kind of an arranged plan to get Pace and Fox here, and that a lot of that plan came together because of the wishes of others around the league that weren't involved in the Bears. And I agree, that makes absolutely no sense, and that's why... I think we spent probably 20, 30 minutes talking about that article and how ridiculous it was. But in this case, I agree that the Polian thing raised a lot of red flags because it felt like a lot of what we'd already gone through. But it felt like to me that once they zoned in on Poles, who was a hot candidate for at least one other job in Minnesota, 
where Pace was not. I don't think any other organization back in 2015 would have hired Ryan Pace. And I don't think that's the case with Ryan Poles. I think if he hadn't gotten the Bears job, he would have gotten another one. And then from that point on, if you believe what's being reported, Poles owned the coaching search and got to pick his guy and kind of cut Bill Polian and McCaskey and Ted Phillips and everybody else out of the process. So I think there are some differences it will, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not this process will yield better results. But I, I think at least that part of it, I feel better about than I do in hindsight with Pace and, and Fox. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with both of you. Uh, I do think, though. I, I mean, I, I was looking closely at polls, and the closer I look at him, the more encouraged I am. Um, I mean, just from, uh, if you, if you just look at it from an open market job, right? Um, he, he came into, uh, the organization, uh, into the chief's organization, um, young, uh, and he must be, he must've been doing something right because he was hired by Pioli, but he stayed there through regime change from him to the next one, to the third one, so and was promoted in each one of those transitions, which with any organization, if you see that happening, um, you know, the guy must be doing more than the guy next to him, right? I'm just saying, I mean, in any organization, uh, when it comes to a high level executive that can that can negotiate their way through that and exceed expectations um, there has to be uh, there has to be something behind that and the other the other thing is is that in that 13 years that he was there which is a pretty sizable amount to be at any job um, the the organization became a super bowl winning or at least contending team every year and he was definitely part of bringing. Did he have Mahomes to do with, Mahomes, with Mahomes? Mahomes was part of his. He was part of that. Have, yeah. have we got an answer on that? Because that was one of the questions. It's always I had very to. unclear to me who's responsible for. Who. I mean, I don't think it's one person, but the fact that he was in the personnel department that entire time, it's hard for me to believe that he wouldn't have been involved in in that decision. Um, you know. The guy that just that we just kicked out the door, he was infamous for hiding things, right? I mean, what do you mean, Nag, Nagy or Pace? Pace, because I mean, he didn't even tell uh, Fox that he was gonna hide that he was, that was gonna weird. use With the, the, the third Trubisky? number three overall pick on a quarterback. That was you weird. Know? I mean, well, I'll say this: with with, with when it comes to to Eberflus, um and polls. I, 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 I don't like the idea that George McCaskey didn't seem to flirt with the idea of hiring Jim Harbaugh at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, did, did, any, did anybody get why he didn't, I mean, Harbaugh, Harbaugh kind of lives in his own world and is, he beats to his own drum. I, I that mean, being said, we, we didn't look at him at all. The, it, and he, he seems to, to be the most accomplished guy out there. There, there had to have been some. I, I have to believe that there were some phone conversations there. Um, that he just, that they didn't go to him at all is kind of hard to believe. I felt but, the same way a little but bit. But then again, 
Nobody is saying that George McCaskey is good at his job. Well, that this is the, no, <laughs> no, know? I agree. This I mean, the only reason he has the job he did is because of the uterus he came out of. So you know, let's not you know, let's not confuse things. But I think that he was. Pro- I think I think Harbaugh was probably contacted. I heard Gary Fensick talking, you know, a while back, a couple months ago, about how he's never been reached out by the McCaskies at all for input. All right. And he, he, he said that he, he didn't, didn't feel really offended by it, but he was just perplexed at the idea that the McCaskies don't seek input from Bears alums. Right. And Fensick is a smart guy. I, I don't know why they're, why, why they're fairly narrow-minded with the procedures with how they want to work as far as their head coaching searches go. Bothers me. Yeah. And I just expect, I've heard George McCaskey's a nice guy. He, he apparently shakes people's hands in the parking lot and stuff before the game. <laughs> that being said, you just want more there. I, I mean, I mean, and I, I, he's always seemed to me to be just a giant dipshit. But <laughs> I've I've heard he's a nice guy, and I've heard Ryan. Pace oh, you can be a nice guy and be a dipshit. Oh, at the same I know plenty of them. <laughs> well, all right, it's not one of the same. Fair. I've also heard Ryan Poles. Ryan Pace is a very nice guy, but I I, I mean. That may be the case, but uh, we just watched Pace in action for seven years, and it, one of the things I took away was he didn't like to share information at all with anyone. Um, that he, uh, uh, that his his uh, judge of talent level, I think pretty much everybody can call into question whether it came to the draft or, or or free agency. And that he seemed to get fleeced in just about every single deal he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was true isn't for, that his entire job? <laughs> that was true for trades and free agent negotiations. Right. It always felt like Ryan Pace was paying more than market value for everybody he brought in. And when you're the Chicago Bears, and for a time a good version of the Chicago Bears, that shouldn't be the case, right? I mean, this should be a destination... For free agents, you know, not necessarily true for trades. You're going to trade at the fair market value of whatever asset you're trading. But you shouldn't have to overpay guys to come to Chicago when the Bears are good. You have to overpay them when they suck, which they do right now, which I think is probably part of the reason why we haven't seen a ton of big free agent signings, because I don't think this is a very attractive destination for free agents right now, just given the state of the team. But we'll get to that. But... Um, but I think with Pace, to circle back, it, it felt like he was always just really good at staying in his job. And every <laughs> every company has people like that. They have people that aren't necessarily good at their job, but they know how to say the right things to the right people and how to give themselves plausible deniability. And that always felt like something that Pace was really good at. I don't think I heard him give a straight answer to the media in seven years. Yeah, and, and he talked like twice a year. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so there he was, seemed excellent. There, 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 there was yeah. no transparency whatsoever about and, what the Bears were doing, and it was cliche after cliche. Oh. And I'm fired up about this, and we think we're good at that. Like even before last year, like right before Week One, he came out and said the Bears felt good about their tackle situation <laughs> when Tevin Jenkins was on IR and. Sign fifty-year-old Jason Peters, and they didn't know what they were going to do at right tackle. Anybody with a functioning brain could tell you that no, of course you don't feel good about your tackle situation. But so why are you saying it? <laughs> and I think it's just because he wanted to lie, and he felt that 
the best way for him to keep his job for another year is to just sound optimistic and maybe the McCaskies are dumb enough to believe it. And I think in a lot of cases they were dumb enough to believe it, which is why he kept his job for seven years. Yeah. And that's part of the thing with the alumni too. And there are <laughs> countless Bears alums that complain about not being involved in the football operation. Uh, Olin Kruitz is, comes to mind, Matt Forte, Alex yeah. Brown, Mike old, Singletary. older guys like Singletary, and you mentioned Fensick. Dent was actually uh, came to the team once. I mean, uh, I, I bet there's I bet ago. there's literally a hundred Bears alumni that if the Bears came to them and said we'll give you a reasonable salary to come in and be an advisor to us, would do it. It's just the McCaskies don't seem interested in doing that. Uh, George McCaskey was asked about that at his disaster of a press conference this year, at least one of the disasters. I can't remember which one specifically, <laughs> and he gave some half-ass answer about not wanting to create a conflict of interest with bears that work in the media, and it just made no sense. It, it made absolutely no sense. About? Yeah, it, it, yeah. He said, I wouldn't want to put them in a position to have to compromise their position in the media, and everyone's just like, that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't hold water, but I think that probably goes to a big part of the problem with the bears. That's why you have to hire Ernie Accorsi and... Bill Polian, that's why you continuously seem to make ill-informed decisions. It's because the McCaskies don't know what they're doing, and they don't have anybody in that building that, on the football side of things, seems to know what they're doing. And that's Ryan Pohl's job now. He's the highest-ranking football executive. But when you don't have people that know what they're doing hiring that position, then if you get it right, it's probably a lot due to luck, right? I mean, Ryan Pace was supposed to be the guy that was running the football operation, and, you know, we saw where that got us. So it is frustrating, and I think that's why a lot of times history tends to repeat itself with the Bears, but here we are. I mean, we can't tell them how to run their organization, unfortunately. Right. Is Poles big into analytics? Yes. He, he is big in him. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I, I like that. Is. Yeah, no, that's one thing that he commented on is that they're really looking to expand that portion of their front office. Okay, so good. that's good. He's a smart guy too. I, mean, I think the, the only negative, speak. the only negative move that he's made, as far as I'm concerned, is that I, I, I'm not enamored with the idea of hiring a defensive coach because I, I'm tired of. of Watching offenses that are consistently in the bottom twenty percent of the league. Well, and uh, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, um, I think there was eleven vacancies and two went to defensive uh, coaches. Um, Three, but one of them was Lovey. One of them was Lovey, and one of them yeah. was the Saints guy. And both those organizations are not headed in the right direction. Well, Bowles. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, now Bowles as well. Tampa. Okay. okay. But at the same time, Arians is still going to be there. So that's kind of a different and situation. And they have Tom Brady. <laughs> and they have Tom Brady. Yeah. I thought Arians was, was retired. I thought no, he was, he's going to have like some... I don't, they made up a name for him. sort of a situation? You know, they, they made up a name to put on his desk. But, <laughs> but he's still going to be part of the organization. Yeah. He's um, going to be a consultant. D- digressing to, to what Jim said, we commented on earlier. I, I don't know if Paul's... Is as far as attracting big free agents is willing to try anything right now because one you can't attract them, and I don't even know what the Bears' goal is for twenty twenty two. I'm assuming the only priority is to develop fields, and there's no real priority to real. I mean, there there aren't any Bear fans who are booking their Super Bowl trips. No, 
I, I think everybody realizes it. And if you look at the roster from top to bottom, right now, I mean, it looks it looks like the defense looks okay. The offense looks like an unmitigated disaster. Right. I mean, you lost Robinson. You lost James Daniels. You replaced him with Equanimous St. Brown <laughs> and Byron Pringle. So I mean, I mean, this this is this is if 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 Darnell Mooney goes down. It's, it's a situation where you're going to revert back to whatever it was, 2016 or 2017, and need to find a, a Dontrell Inman to, to pick up your offense from being one of the worst in NFL history. Sure. I, I mean, I, I don't know what word they expect from Fields here. I, I, I don't know how, how they're putting him in position to, like, succeed in the least. Yeah. Am I missing something? Well, so, uh, you know, Jim and I have talked about this, and one of the things that I think that, he's really focused on is for one thing um we we've all talked about the fact that pace left this team in a mess oh disaster um so polls is coming in with what i consider a very positive attitude he immediately decided you know what i'm not going to try and take this on completely on my own i'm going to get help which to me is a smart thing to do. So what did he do? He went and got the personnel guy from the Philadelphia Eagles, Ian Cunningham. Which, by the way, I have read in multiple spots on the internet was a total steal. That that guy actually should probably be a GM with another organization already. And that he'll attract free agents on his own simply because of his work with the Eagles and in the past. Now... One thing that I, uh, one thing that's already happened that I thought was pretty cool, small, but it was still pretty cool, was we, uh, you know, Poles was presented with a situation where he wanted to sign uh, Okunjobi, who, which was, which was as far as three technique, was probably the best one available. Yeah. And had just had an outstanding year for Cincinnati. He was one of the hotter free agents. Yeah. The, the kid didn't pass the physical, yeah. right? They got there, and the, uh, um, the poll said, we thought you would be here, and you're actually here. And we can't do that. That's just the way it is. So we're not closing the door on you. You might want to come back, but right now, this isn't going to work. So instead, they went and immediately looked for another player to bring in that slot, and so they found Justin Jones, Right. Well, Jones was getting ready the next day to go to Indianapolis to sign with them. And Floos called them personally and said, you don't want to do that. You want to come to Chicago. And he did. Now, that may not seem like that big of a deal, but to me it is. We had the head coach do a recruiting call? Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And the player listened. And the player listened. Did he sell him on Italian beef? <laughs> that is a good selling point. That is a good selling oh, point. How, how did that happen? <laughs> I, I like super What's the lakefront? So, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Chicago over Indianapolis? That's I'm just saying point. the activity right. level of these guys is not in the same vicinity as the two guys that just hit the door. Those two guys, it's like you were just saying. And I thought that was an excellent way to put it, Jim, was Pace was good at one thing, keeping his job, right? That's what he was really good at. He was at. great at that. And being a suck-up to, uh, to the McCaskey family, um, you know, and, and Phillips, 
That, that's really what he did, right? Because he certainly didn't do anything for the fans. He didn't do that great in personnel. So what did he do? You know, his, his head coaches, well, they were both totally lousy. You know, so, I mean, it, when you look at the, the breadth of it, it's like I was saying to you, Ryan, you know, Pace was, Pace was there for seven years. This guy's been there for two months. We, we, we got we to gotta, we gotta give him some time. Yeah, I I, I, just, I I don't know what the goal is right now, specifically on offense. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you, you've lost Daniels. Dakota Dozier is not an upgrade from really anybody. I don't know what his replacement player value is. Well, really, it's the one. Below, below replacement. Below, right? below yeah. replacement. He was, he was which, on the Vikings practice squad, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, when you've watched the Vikings over the past several years, you've been amazed at how bad, like, Dakota Dozier is. Yeah, well, I mean, so really the, the replacement player is Lucas Patrick. That's the one that... Yeah, he, he, he should be better. He should be an upgrade from Mustafer. Oh, absolutely. And he, he can play but, three different spots. I, and I'm just saying, it also, you got to remember, they brought in Lucas Patrick and Equinemius um, on the recommendation of the offensive coordinator, right? So this guy's been with them for the last three, four years, yeah. right? Equinemius cost nothing. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even get a deal for a million dollars, right? So, I mean, it's not like they're bringing him in to be the next big thing. But he does have some skills. And I don't think that the OC would have said, hey, you know, bring this kid in, uh, if he didn't think that the kid had any chance whatsoever. But I'm not saying, I'm not saying it. They still need, I do recognize what you're saying. We, I think we all know that we still need a receiver in the worst way. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're bringing in Equiminius St. Brown as anything more than a guy to fill out the bottom of your roster, right? right? I mean, I agree that obviously when we talk about the goals for the year, I think there's probably three. The most important one is developing fields, and I agree with your skepticism that I don't know how the heck you're going to develop a guy when – it doesn't appear that the offensive line is going to be any good, and it doesn't no. appear that the receiving core is going to be any good. And therefore, what do you have to put him in the best position to succeed? I made that point when I was going on and on about how I thought the Bears should overpay for Amari Cooper to bring back Allen Robinson. And I said, if you have to pay three, four million dollars a year more for those guys, yeah. do it because at least then you have a couple of viable receiving options that can help the kid out as he's trying to recover from the Matt Nagy experience. Right. How, how, how many times over the past two years have you said to yourself, Allen Robinson is our only offensive player? Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. And without him? Well, not last year, but... Yeah. Not last year, but, but prior. Yeah. I mean, you know, before before two thousand, I think that Allen Robinson was too, arguably too the often, best personnel decision he, he, that Ryan Pace ever made. He, he was the best offensive player the Bears have had over the past several years. So and why didn't Pace sign with him? him? Gone. Where does this go? I know. I, and, and the other thing is, Dan Daniels was probably he James Daniels was probably the second or third best player on offense. Well, that I mean now there. Um, I'm taking I'm taking their word for it. I'm taking the word of Poles. I'm taking the word of Cunningham. Both of them are offensive linemen. Um, I'm I'm taking their word that they're gonna they're gonna build that up. And they for whatever reason they didn't want to keep James Daniels. 
I didn't agree with it either. I like yeah. Daniels. I'm a Hawkeye fan, so I watched him play at University of Iowa. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't see a fit right there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Poles is trying to get the salary cap into a decent position. He's trying to get the team set up for 2023. Now, I, I agree. I, I, it doesn't look like 2022 is going to be much of anything. You know what's interesting, though? Last year, we watched the two head guys do everything they could to win now with a team that obviously couldn't win now. Yeah. And it was a total debacle. Um, so now we have the exact opposite. Now we have a guy who realizes that he doesn't have the stuff he needs, which, by the way, the Bears had by far the most uh, free agents of any team in the NFL. 29 this year. Um, it's the oldest roster in the NFL. Oldest roster, too, yeah. I mean, Pace did it on That's every level. Pace couldn't draft. He, he yeah. did it on every okay. level. But So this year we have the exact opposite, right? This year we have a guy who's like, I realize it's going to be very rough this year. We want to set ourselves up for a championship, and a championship is definitely not going to happen this year, right? There's 0% chance. Okay, one. There's 1% chance of that. But, but next year... If the pieces are in place, and if Fields is better, yeah, it's all it's all about Fields. I mean, it's this is kind of an inflection point for Fields, right? Year two, I mean, absolutely. This, this is a situation where you have to play or yeah. not. And, and I, I just wish there was more talent and, and breakaway ability on offense. I wonder if they just really like Darnell Mooney. I mean, maybe Ryan Pace wasn't wrong about that. Maybe they really see him as a guy that in his third year, could take a big next step. And I would like nothing more than that. I've been on this podcast several times saying that you're wrong to trust Darnell Mooney to be your number one guy. Yeah, but agreed. I would like, I would love nothing more than to be wrong about that. Yeah. If, See, if they actually found a very good wide receiver in the fifth round, that's great. Um, I would still like to see them draft another receiver with their first pick this year, and I think they will do that. And then if they are right about Mooney and he's really good and you get find a guy in the second round that you can plug in right away and be a productive, you know, secondary receiver, and then you've got Byron Pringle, who I think is a nice Waffles. enough I think he's a nice enough player. And then maybe is, a he, draft is he like him. a Tyler Gabriel sort of a player? I mean I kinda remember him from seeing him from the Chiefs. I mean He's, uh, he so looks all, he, he looks, just he looks like a, he has speed. Yeah, he's he fat. hasn't gotten much opportunity until last year. Last year, he had uh, about 600 yards, uh, six touchdowns, I think. Um, but what I what stuck out to me was um, he cost 70% of the balls thrown to him. And Gabe, Gabriel, he was more of kind of a flash guy, right? He was I think so, yeah. Pringle, I think, is fast, but when I was just watching a few of his highlights, what... I noticed was he's able to go over the middle and make catches in traffic. So I think that is an attribute that Gabriel didn't have. And with Pringle, that's another one-year guy. He obviously didn't get the contract that Gabriel did, but he was buried on the Chiefs' depth chart. And maybe that's the type of guy that you bring in at a low cost and you give him a one-year deal, and maybe he makes the most of it. Because I... Think, I think that's a nice signing. I, I don't think that's anything to be excited about that's going to take the offense from terrible to mediocre, but it's a nice piece. So 
if you can feel it's, good about Mooney... It's better than what we had yeah, there. If you can feel good about Mooney and a second-round pick, maybe they spend both their second-round picks on a wide receiver. I wouldn't be mad about that. And I, I certainly am more uh, optimistic about Byron Pringle than I was about um, Marquise Wheaton. You know what? That's even better. Marquise Wheaton. No, it's Marquise. That's even better. That was, like, that was like... That was like a million bucks a catch or something. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, um, you know, it, it, he's, he's trying to, in my view, establish us with some guys that are those guys that you just need to build up the, the team. He's not, look, he's not liking, looking to make the big strikes. Uh, I think... Um, the Christian Kirk deal was stupid, and it's going to be shown in in the future that that was a stupid deal. But the Jaguars are saying that they, they they're kind of similar to the Bears. They drafted Lawrence, and they completely wasted his first year by hiring a terrible coach. And they're yeah. saying that in year two, we need to do what we can to give him the resources to develop. It might fall flat on its face, but. Say they overpaid for Kirk, which they probably did, but Lawrence has a top 10 year next year, and he gets his career on track to be that elite quarterback that they drafted, then I think you're willing to overpay a little bit for receiver. Now, the Jaguars were in a better position than the Bears because they had a ton of cap room. and the Bears, ton of cap room. The Bears didn't, so they can afford to gamble like, a little bit. I think it was like 15% more than the next closest team. That's how much room they have, and, and I so and I think that's a big part of what Poles is planning too, because by cleaning up the roster this year and getting rid of Max money and getting rid of Goldman's money and the other moves we've seen, and who knows if we'll see him cut more pieces going into twenty three, the Bears will have over a hundred million dollars. They're right? going to have so, they're they're probably going to be number one in cap space next year. Like I, I think I've seen like a hundred and forty million or something. This like is that. this this raises another great question, right? So we were just talking about this. Chicago should be one of the premium places to play, right? As, as cold weather hurts, though. Mm-hmm. Cold, cold. There's cold still a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I can go live in Chicago as a twenty-something yeah, NFL like, player." Like you're never going to get a Tom Brady at the end of his career that wants one. I mean, game, right? I mean, you know how exciting Green Bay is. <laughs> cold, but I mean, it's a good point. I mean. Chicago or Miami, right? I right. Mean, plus, you add really high taxes in Chicago compared to Miami. Like, it should be a good destination because it's a great football city, and I think that does have value. But people aren't going to come here because they're going to be playing in front of sold out crowds and going five and eleven, right? Like, if the Bears were really good, I think free agents would want to come here, and I think we've seen that in the past. But when you suck, I don't think that's. I don't think the History and the fandom is enough to get. No, but I think that. But I think that um, in next year will be more attractive than we are this year. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. You know, and and you have the 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 stigma of Chicago is where receivers go to die. (laughs) And we do have that. Who can argue this? Of course, look at the guy who said it, though. (laughs) I mean, yeah, okay, but. Okay, so you're, there is some truth to that, right? Muhammad wasn't wrong. There is some truth to that. 
even though he did get paid a he, ton he, of money. He, he had a couple of good years with the Bears. He had a couple of good years. I mean, so he so right Byron Pringle last year had 42 receptions for 568 yards. Yeah. 13.5 a clip, which is darn good. Five touchdowns at a 70% catch rate. Those are all solid numbers. And yeah. It, you know, uh, it, it, like it's like Jim was just saying. We're not expecting this guy to come in and be a savior. Right, he's if if people if people are going to key on Mooney if he's your number one target. Right, if he's the only offensive threat, Pringle's going to have to do something. I mean, I mean, and also you know that's another thing is Jim and I both have heard that. I don't know whether you've heard that rumor too much, but it does seem like uh, Poles and Flutes are on board with Mooney being the guy, and it's while. At the beginning of last year, I didn't think that that was a realistic idea. I'm coming around a little bit because if you go look at the jump in his numbers from a rookie to a second-year player and a second-year player who basically was the only receiver on the team, um, his numbers are pretty good. He had 1,000 yards on the Bears last year. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty good yeah. considering the quarterback If he would have had – if he had – the lowest catch percentage of the top 20 receivers in the NFL. But he was number 12 in yards. So if he would have had just a few percentage points higher level on his catch percentage, he would have been in the 1,200-yard range. And it's, I mean, he had no help. None. His only help last year was. I mean, I mean Rob, Rob, Robinson was. It was. He had his moments, right? I mean. No, he really didn't. Know. He he caught forty balls. I mean, he was awful. Uh, he, he How was many a, did Pringle catch? <laughs> he caught less than Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, you know, I I don't know what. Jim and I have obviously talked about Robinson a lot. Um, I was one of the people that was super upset about... Uh, I, I still never understand why Pace went and found this guy as, a, as, a, as a, not a top-rated free agent, got him, made the smart decision to bring him in, even though he was coming off a huge injury. Yeah, he's the altar. And, and, you know, the guy made good. It became a fan favorite. Was yeah. was was a, a star in Chicago, and what does he do? He decides not to sign him again. But yeah. over two, the way I understand it, it was a difference of two million dollars a year, eighteen to sixteen. It's like what? And My, instead, the whole thing turns into a gigantic bucket of poo. The, no, the notoriously frugal Ryan Pace <laughs> had a reputation for arguing over every penny. Oh wait, no. But wait, that's not true at all. Basically overpaid everybody he could except, except for, for except for Alan Robinson. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking about the guy. Remember how much money he gave Pernell the fee? Jimmy Graham. <laughs> last year. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham oh got paid $10 million dollars last year to do what? Nothing. I'm telling so, you, Dion Sims was was the was the oh, free agent signing of, of Ryan Pace's tenure. That was yeah, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, his first season with Chicago was the uh, second highest paid tight end in the NFL for that for that one season. I mean, and you know, so 
Um, and he was, by the way, one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL last year, too. Um, so Money well spent. Yeah, yeah. What did he have? Two catches? Eh, not many. Uh, maybe he had a couple more than that. But, so, anyway, I, I just, all, all I look at it is, is that we have to be patient in a space where we don't want to be patient. We have to take a step back yeah. in a space where we want to see a big step forward. And I, I don't think those things are capable of happening this year. I just, I, I think we could bring in Bill Belichick and he wouldn't be able to do it. I think we could bring in Bill Parcells and he couldn't do it. I, I'm just saying, I think you could bring in the best guy and there would still be not much he could do to change the team just because it was left in such yeah. a mess. Yeah, Fields, Fields, Fields development is the entire season. Yeah. It's the selling point on the entire season. Even for the most patient diehard Bear fans, if you take away that, if you take away the potential of Fields, where is this? And I, 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 I do kind of like the Trevor Simeon signing. Trevor Simeon is okay for a backup. I think he's a yeah, he's okay for a backup. Hometown boy. I mean, I think if Fields is terrible this year, then the Bears are going to win like two games. Like I, I, I would agree with that. Like I, I would agree with that. It, it'll be disastrous. Yeah, like, you, you'll be in the running for the first overall pick if Fields is bad. And there are Absolutely. good quarterbacks next year. So if Fields is bad, or if you get him hurt, and there's two franchise guys in the draft next year. Yeah, guaranteed already yeah. to be one and two. So I mean. Maybe that's part of it, too, is that they're kind of putting Fields on the spot and saying, hey, we think you're really good, and if you're really good, we're probably going to win five, six games no matter what we do, so let's clean up the roster and get ourselves in a position where two years from now we can start actually building this thing up the way we want it, and if you're awful, then we're going to draft somebody else. I don't think he's awful, though. I know he was bad. I don't think he's awful. I know his numbers were awful last year, but... There was just so much going against him when you look at the roster and the coaching. Like, if he had been good, it would have been pretty remarkable in my the ki- mind. The killer is he, his O-line was probably better last year than it's going to be this year right now. Uh, maybe. I mean... Perhaps. But, it, you know, the, I think, see, that's where one of the things I, I, ha- I have to disagree is that we have to see what coach we've got because that was the worst example of NFL coaching maybe I've ever watched in my life last year with Nagy yeah it was awful uh, yeah I don't think the coaching is going to be as dumb I'm not I'm not as negative on the coaching as you I don't think oh uh, well like I mean I, I mean the talent wasn't really there I mean, the talent was okay on defense on offense the talent wasn't there I mean yeah, it, it, you know, we, we all see it differently. Yeah. It's, so, I told you I was watching the Bears-Rams game, right? And I'm watching the first half. Torturing yourself. Yeah, I was torturing myself. And, uh, and I mean, we, we, we have the ball at the 45, and we go for it on fourth and six. Why? <laughs> I mean, then, later on in the first half, we go for it again. I, I just, I was like sitting there... I had forgotten about those two idiotic moves, and I was like, "Why? Why did we do these?" I mean, I have the, I have, I have hindsight now. 
And I still don't know why they did those plays. Yeah, and I, I think that one thing that was really lacking in the offense last year was just getting Fields out of the pocket, giving him some good, you know, hot reads that he can get the ball out quickly, some things to, like, mitigate that bad offensive line. Like, you don't want the kid dropping back five steps against great pass rushes with Jason Peters and Jermaine Effetti and whoever else was on the line at various times last year. And we saw way too much of that with Nagy. We didn't see enough creativity to try to put Fields in the best position to succeed. I mean, when you go back to that Cleveland game or that Tampa Bay game, I mean, those were just so egregiously bad in terms of... Those are the reasons that I think that Nagy was maybe had the worst season in, in, in the Bears' history. The O-line just got killed in the Cleveland game. Yeah. Just like, destroyed. And, well, as and, they were always going to, right? It, yeah. it's, it's a terrible yeah. offensive line against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and yeah. some other good players, right? But you, you also had, I think it was like 90% of the snaps with just one or zero tight ends on the line. You had fields dropping straight backs where guys could just run straight at him and tee off. Like, run a screen pass, run a bootleg, get, he's, in, he's really, really fast, get him out of the pocket and let him try to make some plays, and I, I still don't think that the team lost, like, like, coaching wasn't the biggest issue last year, I don't think, it was a big issue, but as you, as you alluded to, talent was obviously the biggest problem, I think if we had had Bill Belichick or anybody else, that team probably still only wins seven, eight games. But the coaching was terrible. I think the offensive coaching specifically was terrible. I think the plan with Fields as far as, you know, giving Dalton first-team reps and having him be the backup for all of training camp and preseason, I think that was bad. I mean, I I think the whole thing was bad. And I I think that this organization is going to approach it from a smarter position. And I think that they're going to do a better job to give Fields what he needs to do to succeed. You know, I am skeptical about the talent still. I don't think that they have surrounded him with any, you know, no. major upgrades. But the offseason's not over, and there's still the draft, and we're going to see where it ends up. But Well, and there's not just the draft. You know, there's also uh, your whole second second wave of... Uh, uh, a free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are still guys out there. Yeah, there's still guys out there. And there's guys um, that'll know, be I, I think that one yeah. of the things Poles was establishing was he wasn't just going to go out and give a giant contract to some guy. And, you know, that's what Pace did every single year he was there. He so, wasn't going to do what I thought he should do. Yeah. Why? So why it, I still don't understand why, why, why the immediate move was made to pay Andy, Andy Dalton $10 million last year <laughs> and let Mitch go. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Am I Dalton crazy? got signed again am, am, am for $3 million this year. And he got signed I, for $3 million the year before that. Yeah, am I crazy and not seeing tons more value with Mitch Trubisky than Andy Dalton? Am yeah. I crazy? No, you're, I think you're correct. Nagy didn't like Mitch, though. No, he didn't. I, I, I think they had Mitch last year. Mitch maybe would have contributed. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. Is, is I, I that mean, he was, a, he, was, year, he was a bust. He, he didn't work out as the number three overall pick. He didn't work out but, as the number three overall pick. And, yeah, you could qualify him as a bust. But the, I, I, I've told Jim every single thing I read about that kid was positive. Yeah. Every single thing I read about that kid. And I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the hardworking guy who's maybe not as good as we expected him to be every single time. Just because – but 
They traded I, up I from, 100% they traded believe. Up from three to two. He was yeah. the second overall pick. Which Regardless. was, that was idiot Pace's move. How, how his arm strength, how Trubisky, Trubisky's arm strength wasn't there for, for, for that, it wasn't worthy of that draft pick. That being yeah, said. absolutely. He wasn't a total boss. I but, mean, but I mean, 10 seconds after Pace made that move, every prognosticator out there was like, what the hell did he just do? Yeah, and it was, and it was clear Nagy was done with him. We're going to see this year, because if Mitchell Trubisky does well with Pittsburgh, then... You know, it'll be some pretty strong evidence that Nagy screwed him up. I think I, I think if you asked most Bears fans, I bet 60% of them would say that Mitch was less to blame for his failures here than Nagy was. I don't know if that's right. I, I don't think Mitch is going to do, you know, I, I don't think Mitch is going to be a top 10 quarterback. I, no, I, I agree. I, I, don't think I, agree. I agree. I don't think he's as bad as what he saw here, but it was clear Nagy, Nagy was done with him. And Nagy, you know, wanted a quarterback in here that was going to run his system. A system that has not proven to work at any point with the Bears. But it was clear that he was done with Mitch. And I bet if you asked Matt Nagy in private and he was honest with you, I bet he blames Mitch Trubisky a lot for the reason that his coaching tenure here failed. Fair? Unfair? I think Matt Nagy has proven to be a pretty stubborn that guy. could be true but i guarantee you he thinks that if he had a guy in here that was better equipped to run the offense that he wanted to run then it would have worked out just fine we don't know if that's true there's no way to know um we'll find out probably over the next couple years we'll see how mitch does we'll see if Nagy gets another offensive play calling job but it was clear that that relationship was just all over and you know it's unfortunate because it didn't work out for Mitch, it didn't work out for Nagy, and really the people that suffered the most were Bears fans. Um, but here we are. Here we are, still suffering. Yeah. So, um, uh, we did want to do the second uh, topic that we were, um, uh, that we wanted to talk about a little bit. We just, uh, we thought a fun exercise would be to pick a player that we would like to see, um, you know, Take it to the next level. Really jump up their game. However you want to put it, uh, but uh, we we need that player to you know really establish what they're gonna what they're gonna do. And so um, my player that I picked out, and it's a pretty obvious one. We obviously decided to not choose the quarterback. We all know that we need number one to perform. Nobody needs to tell us that. That kid probably knows it more than anybody. But um, I picked out uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, and I you know, picked him out for pretty obvious reasons. The, uh, as we alluded to, the offensive line is uh, definitely in flux. Uh, it's coming off another bad year. Uh, we invested uh, heavily in, in getting Jenkins. He was the 39th overall pick. So that's a high pick. I went and looked because I was interested to see what the um, what the buzz was him about the before the draft, and he was actually by Scouts Inc. Uh, for ESPN ranked as the number four tackle in in the draft period, only behind Sewell, Slater, right. and Darasaw. So and he was the number one rated 
right tackle. So we've talked about that as fans about, you know, they're trying to make him a left tackle. That's something we saw a lot during the pace regime, um, you know, bringing in players and, oh, wait a second, that guy's not a defensive end. He's actually a middle linebacker. Well, we're going to play him at defensive end anyway. You know, so uh, last year, um, or in college, uh, he played at right tackle, um, 11, 20, 26 starts at right tackle, and he got four, or pardon me, seven at left tackle. So I think that's pretty obvious as to what position he played primarily at Oklahoma State. Um, when he came into the draft, he was primarily rated as a right tackle and rated as the number one right tackle. Now, what I saw, and I did not know this, is I went and looked at his combine numbers. Six foot six, three hundred seventeen pounds. Ran a five point zero one forty. Pretty which good. Is really good yeah, for a guy that size. Had a um, had a thirty two and a half vertical. Again, very good for a guy that size. Thirty six reps at bench. That's, That's awesome. Good. Really good. It was yeah, one of the most the in, the, in the in the combat. I'm surprised by that. At the end of at the end of last season, and it was probably because of his back surgery, he looked out of shape to me. Yeah. I, I, I maybe that was just me, but I it didn't. And he he looked like he had his moments. Yeah. I, I mean, he looked like he held his own for a while. I I couldn't believe he came back at all. Same here. I mean, Tom can attest to this. The second I heard that he was going to miss the first day of practice with a back injury, I texted Tom and I said, he's not playing a single snap this year. <laughs> like, it was before anybody. I'm like, I've seen this before. I'm like, there is no way that you're going to have a rookie offensive lineman get back surgery and come back and play this year. But to his credit, he did. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, at least he wasn't a finesse tackle like Chris Williams yeah, was. Yeah, whatever that means. Well, I mean, you're, you're, a left left tackle is probably the what second or third hardest position on the team to fill. Mm-hmm. The quarterback, yeah. So yeah. you have you have to draft it presumably in the first or second round. Yeah. You're yeah, hopefully I, I drafting mean, it in the top five. Actually, that's where your I mean, big I'm, left tackles come from. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, unless you're gonna and, and seldom do you see free agents. You sometimes see free agent left tackle sign, but, well, but the left tackles more often than it, it, not, you, you have to draft one, and it's that position we have not been able to fill. All you have to do is look at the past two off seasons in free agency to see how they get paid. I mean, last year Trent Williams got a hundred million dollars, and he's thirty three years old. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Armstead. Armstead. Yeah. yeah. He got a huge deal, and he's like 33, and he's not even like there's yeah. there's point blank stuff written about him about like well he it's questionable as to how many games he misses. Chuck Leno got like 25 million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Leno was all right. He was yeah, he, he was, was fine. Okay, he was one of Pace's <laughs> better moves. Chuck Leno. I mean, he, he, he. I mean, he was okay for the, a couple the thing years. about Leno is like he he wasn't he wasn't. The best left tackle. He was probably not even above average, but he showed up and played every game. Yeah, yeah. that adds value yeah. in the NFL. Like yeah. I don't think he's missed a game in however many years he's played in the NFL. Yeah. So if you can play every game and not be terrible, then you're better than most options at that position because it's traditionally a position where unless you're a top guy, you're not very durable and you're probably you know rolling around from team to team. Right. Well, and, and during the season last year, I, I mean, I know all three of us talked about the fact that it was like, why didn't we hold on to Leno um, 
you know, even though they were drafting Jenkins, just so you could bring him in and say, okay, you know, you guys are going to compete, you know, best man wins. Instead, instead, <laughs> Chuck Pleno, <laughs> instead we, we just said, we're like, like, get the heck out of here, man. Yeah. But, I mean, to the point about Jenkins, I, I think there's potential there. I mean, one thing we know about Ryan Poles is that he seems to value attitude and tough guys on the line. So Jenkins seems to be that, at least from the early glimpses. Uh, took a lot of penalties, definitely had some 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 down moments too, but I think that's probably to be expected from a rookie that had back surgery. So it's a clean slate for him. I, I think that he is athletic, as demonstrated by those combine numbers, and he was highly thought of. Obviously, if he's going to play right tackle, that's a less valuable position than left tackle, but if he can be really good there, then, hey, that's one fewer position you have to fill, and Hopefully he's the starting right tackle for the next ten so, years. I got a couple. If he, if he can't play left tackle, where do you go? So I got a couple. I got a couple of numbers for you. So uh, zero. This is in college. Zero sacks allowed since 2019. 582 attempts. It's pretty good. Uh, three sacks allowed in his career. 1304 pass blocking attempts. This kid can play. That's in the SEC, right? Big Twelve, right? Like, he went to Okie State. Oh, Okie State. Pardon me. Right. Uh, and then, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that <laughs> I wanted to include this. I was watching a video of the draft review from last year, and Bucky Brooks from NFL.com said, <laughs> said, Teddy Jenkins reminds me of a bouncer at the club, always getting on you about your dress code. <laughs> You're not allowed to wear the white tees or the Timberlands, otherwise we're going to kick you out. <laughs> And he does kind of have he, that was that was how he described Jenkins because Jenkins plays with a mean streak when he's uh, when he's on the field. How does somebody have a job for that? Somebody gets paid <laughs> to write that. Somebody gets paid to write that. <laughs> so so I mean I do I, I think that um, I think we'll see Jenkins and yes of course we need him at left tackle. I personally don't think that's going to work out. I think he is going to be the starting right tackle and that's fine because we need a starting right tackle too. Um, and he's a beast. Who who's the starting right tackle? Larry Borum. So right what, now he was. Who's, and so who, who is who is penciled in right now to start? Probably Jenkins. If I Jenkins. Guess. Yeah. So who's going to who's going to start a left tackle? Larry Borum. Right. So, so oh, oh, this is the other thing that I wanted to, that I uh, read about that I didn't know. He only has Jenkins only has thirty three and a half inch arms. That's why. Oh, okay. That's a problem. Yeah, that's why he wasn't higher rated than he was. That's why he also was not picked to be a left tackle. Is because you have to have longer arms than that. Thirty five is the number that you want to see there. Um, 33 and a half is short. So I don't think we'll end up seeing him at left tackle, but Borum could be there. So what's, uh, what's, what's the guys that you guys looked at? How about you, Ryan? Yeah. I, I'm hopeful that Thomas Graham can contri- contribute. I, he, he looked okay last, late last season. So I'm, uh, and, you know, and they need, they need help at corner. Who's the starting corner other than Johnson? Duke Shelley? Him. Thomas yeah. Graham. Thomas Graham now? And, and oh, Kendall Vildor of West Ooh, Well, you're gonna you're gonna a nick a nickelback is probably gonna play what ninety percent of the time. Yeah. So yeah. who's the third corner? Yeah. Kendall Vildor or probably Vildor. I think that's probably if I had to bet they're 
I think in the second round they've got two picks. I think one's going to be a receiver and one's going to be a corner, just because those are such positions of need and those are really important positions. I hope they draft best available and not position of need. But I, I see. Oh, so um, uh, Poles had an interesting comment about that. He said he is a draft best available guy. Right. However, if there's th- you know two or three guys that are all at about the same level. And one is a position need. That's the position that he goes to. Yeah, I mean, which I actually think is smart. And they're all going to say that, right? I right. Mean, I've never heard a GM say, "Nope, we're picking a quarterback." <laughs> so, so, so I mean, Pace said he was best available too, and he wasn't. So we're going to see. But I, I think at least as so, far as wide receivers go, it's a very deep draft. I don't know as much about. So you got Thomas Graham. Uh, you got you know Jalen Johnson. Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor. Um, I mean, those those are the guys that you got right now. Obviously, that needs replenished. Um, Graham is an interesting prospect because he was uh, expected to be uh, a higher draft pick. Yeah. Um, but he took a year off uh, while at college, and so he came in. Now, you know, he was another one of those players, though, um, that... It was like, why wasn't he playing right from the yeah right from he, the beginning of good, the season? Good late last year, you know. I mean, uh, there was no reason not to have him out there. They were struggling with, you know, Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor, and uh, you know, Jim. Were you playing defensive back for a little while last year? Might as well, Ben. So, um, you know, uh, what was it? Isaiah Coulter. You know, um, I think he was one of the wide receiver no names that they oh. Had. <laughs> Let's keep it straight. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so you know, I mean, the thing is, is that uh, this kid is 5'11", 197, um, from Oregon. I mean, it, that's great size for defensive back. Uh, not your not your peak, but that's still really good. And, uh, you know, why wasn't he out there? Why? Why, Nagy? Why was he not out there the whole time? You know, what, you had so many guys of... To choose from to play in the, the secondary, that's why he wasn't playing. I think so. Thomas actually. I think he did have an answer to that. I think actually Thomas Graham said that it took him a while to get up to speed, and he like wasn't ready to go during the buy until the buy. No. So okay, well you know I think was, he still sat on the practice squad longer than he should have. Yeah, it was interesting that the player actually came out and kind of answered that, but I think that he showed some promise and. You need a lot of corners in the NFL. Like the Bears got lucky last year that they actually were pretty healthy in the secondary, and they were still awful. But <laughs> it could have been a lot worse if you were down to fourth or fifth string guys, right? So right, right now you got one guy in Johnson that you feel good about. Maybe another one in Graham. You need at least two more. So yeah. that's going to be it. It's going to be it's, it, definitely in the draft. That's where you're going to see one of the picks go to. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, I, there's um, been some mock drafts of recent, and uh, it seems to be a common theme right now that uh, uh, the first pick, uh, pick um, is going to be uh, uh, offensive lineman, probably a tackle, and that the second pick is going to be a defensive back. That's kind of what it's looking right now. Um, they just, uh, uh, Larry Mayer at Bears.com just published a, a, a draft review. Um, from you know some of the various guys out there, and uh, that's uh, it looks like um, that's uh, one of the one of the things he was kind of focusing on. So, what guy did you pick? 
Uh, I mean, we talked about him a little bit, but I think the other most obvious one is Mooney, right? I mean, if he proves everybody wrong and is a top 10 guy, that's huge. And that would be huge for Fields development. It will be huge for the offense going forward. Um, and I think that, you know, he's been really good his first couple of years, especially considering where he was drafted and hopefully more to come. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, I, I just, the thing that's really turned me around about him is simply the fact that he has come, uh, out of being a fifth round pick, uh, to be in a thousand yard receiver in the NFL in, in two seasons. Yeah. And, I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that can say that, no matter Pace, where they were drafted. Pay, probably pays his best draft pick. It, it could be. Uh, now know, that Eddie Jackson has turned Eddie Jackson, he, you know, he's probably one of Pace's best draft picks. So, uh, sure. so in uh, 2020, um, Mooney played in 16 games, started nine, had 61 receptions for 631 yards, at a 10.3 clip, four touchdowns. Uh, and then in 2021, he just elevates. Uh, started 14 games, so he started five more games. Uh, jumped from 61 receptions to 81 receptions. Jumped from 631 yards to 1055. And improved his average from 10.3 to 13.02. Uh, had the same amount of touchdowns, four touchdowns, so... I guess they need to make him uh, more of a target in the in the red zone. That's something that you know Fields needs to look at. Um, but I mean, that's a that is significant increases all the way across the board. Uh, and if he makes that kind of if he makes that same percentage jump into twenty twenty two, you're looking at one of the top ten receivers in the NFL right there. That's how good his numbers were. So that'd be great. It's it's a lot of eggs to put in one basket too, though. I mean, no matter who it is, you can always get hurt, right? So having one receiver, no matter who they are, is not a great strategy in my mind, um, and that's why I hope they pick a couple in the draft or sign another guy that maybe gets cut off a roster. But Heck, we'll see. If, Even if, catching sixty-one balls as a rookie—that's that's really good. Pivoting, if one of those top four quarterbacks slips to the second round, do you take them? One of the top? No, I don't think no, so. No, not this group. Why not? Well, so they're ranking... Isn't one of the few assets we have 17 games to have effectively a quarterback tryout in 2022? Yeah, because, well, for one thing, it's doubtful that one of them will be there. But even if there, I'm, but I'm, even, I'm just but even if there was, right, we'll have to see how Poles does in his first draft because I was one of the people that was furious two seasons ago when we could have taken Jalen Hurts in the second round and we passed. Instead, we took a tight end. Oh, yeah, okay, that's that, that's what... Let me see. We'll go out and pay the most money for a free agent tight end. Then in the draft, instead of drafting a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, we'll draft Cole Komet. That's what we did. So, uh, and, I, and Jalen Hurts, uh, I don't know whether he's going to be a top 10 quarterback or not, but he's shown he can play. Um, I mean, he uh, when you combine his rushing yards and passing yards and touchdowns, he had a pretty good season last year. So, um, but uh, you know, the, the, the top ranked kid they have for the draft this year is Malik. He played at Liberty. 
Yeah. I mean, going from Liberty to the NFL, whoa. And, I mean, every draft analyst I've listened to said that if Fields was coming out this year, he'd be far and away the number one. Oh, not even close. So, I I don't think that is where I would choose to uh, spend one of those. Fields did not get a fair shot last year. I don't. He didn't, and his O line wasn't good. He took way too many hits. He probably looks to run too soon, similar to, to a situation that Hurts has in Philadelphia, from what I've heard. He didn't how, run how, as much as Hurts. How, how many? What, what, what's the over under on starts that Fields makes in twenty seventeen or in, in twenty twenty? I don't know. It, That's is a the, it is the Bears. When was the last time a quarterback played all sixteen games? It's been a while. If, if he goes more than 10 with the hits he takes, and right now where our own line looks. Maybe Grossman. I, if you told me 10 games, I wouldn't take the over for him starting. No. Oh, I, um, I, I would not say. I would. I would not say Field starts more than 10 games. I think I probably would too. I, I think that they're going to be smart enough to recognize their limitations, and they're not going to hang him out back there to get killed. I, I don't think that they're going to do what Nagy did in that Cleveland game where he's going to get sacked 12 times. The, the Pittsburgh game, he, 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 got, he got clobbered way too often. And he, he got clobbered he, he, way he, too he, often in every game, he, and he, some of that was the players, tough. and some of that was the scheme. Field seems tough. He seems like a Ten and a half. Athlete, but he, he, what's that? Ten and a half is the over-under. Huh. On a number of games he starts? Mm-hmm. Wow, you have that right there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, interesting. See, see, I mean, so so you have a situation where. Oh wait, pardon me. No, it's not. That's twenty twenty one. I thought it was twenty twenty two. I'm I'm surprised. Well, I'm surprised Vegas has that line. But I, I, I <laughs> those guys have lines on everything. I would, you know, at ten and a half, I would take the under. I I, I think he's going to get killed too many times. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Well, I mean. Uh, I mean, you you could be right. Uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens. Um, I think that the team as a whole will play better. I think that the offensive line will play better. I think that the offense overall will play better. I, I think that all of those things will happen this year. And I, going with the personnel that we've got right now, just because I believe that the difference in the attitude of the people in charge and uh, in, in this one is going to make that much of a difference. And I, and I think they're going to make more moves, too. You're going to see more veterans brought in on the line. You're going to see at least one more. I think they should bring in Jarvis Landry. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I agree. I, I a think that would receiver, be... If, if he play for a fairly... Cheap price. Yeah, I, I think that's a good move. But see that you know that's the thing is is that Poles is already a, already established to the free agents out there. I'm not I'm not paying out big dollars. If that's what you're looking at, you're not looking at us. I don't think anybody's gonna pay a ton for Jarvis Landry. Maybe I'm I wrong, don't think so either. But I, I, I think don't think so either. He's, he's been he's had some durability issues over the last couple of years. He hasn't been he hasn't been very good in Cleveland. I, I I don't think he's gonna get. A multi-year deal. I think that's a one-year deal for eight, ten million dollars. But hey, I know I one thing: um, having Mooney, Landry, and um, Pringle, I think, is a pretty okay. good start. Need, you need one more wide and, receiver. And a draft pick. And oh yeah, and I mean, yeah. I I would be shocked 
Uh, now Matt, Matt Jensen, our buddy Matt Jensen, um, he he was actually telling me today, just before the show, that he does not believe that Poles is going to draft a receiver until either the very latest picks or not at all. That's possible. It's possible. It right? is possible. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't know how the draft is going to shake out. Right. right. I mean, he, where's the Bears' first pick at? 39. So I'm guessing before that, there's going to be five or six receivers taken. Yeah. So you're going to be drafting the seventh best receiver versus the Correct. third best. And actually, that's the, that's the number is because a lot of uh, most of the publications have six guys. Yeah. So, so you might be right. Yeah. And, you know, most of, the, most of the guys that are looking at it, you're looking at um, Bell from Purdue, uh, George Pickens from Georgia, um, uh, the kid from North Dakota State, Christian Watson. Christian Watson has the added ability that um, he's also an excellent kick returner. Of course, Herbert is an excellent kick returner, too. So... Um, I don't know. Uh, I do know that we need to invest in a receiver, but the cupboard this year for receiver is chock full. Uh, it's like it's like ready to burst. It's got so many guys in it. So, um, you know, you might find a guy just like pasted, you know, with Mooney. Mooney was a fifth-round pick. And if you go look at his numbers versus the guys he was drafted with, I think you'd be in for a surprise. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he's gonna reach, right? I, I, I don't think based on everything Ryan Pauls has said that he's going to reach for a receiver if he doesn't feel that they're gonna get good value at, at this at that spot in the second round. I, I think right. there's too many holes on the roster and I think that he has a plan and he seems like a pretty methodical guy. He do, he doesn't seem like he's going to let emotion or you know, you know, kind of the Ryan Pace syndrome of trying to be the smartest guy in the room. That's not the vibe I'm getting from him yet. So we're going to see. I mean, the draft's coming up, right? It's in, what, three weeks? So, yeah, like that, yeah. So we're going to start seeing all the mock drafts, um, and I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, having two second-round picks is better than nothing. So Yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, just leading up to the draft, I always get excited. I think there's uh, a lot to be excited for this year. And uh, any final thoughts from our guest? No, I appreciate uh, you having me. It's been good to come and talk bears and uh, sulk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's therapeutic in the middle of uh, the off season with the shape of our team. It's like it's just a weekly. It feels pretty session. good. Yeah, it does. I can imagine. Trust oh. me, it's just as good during the season. <laughs> uh, Todd McShay's new uh, mock draft came out today. He has Tulsa tackle Tyler Smith at pick 39, and so does um, Pro Football Focus. So that you know that could be an indication towards a towards a guy right there. It's interesting. Anyway, can't say I'm. Uh... Can't say I consumed much Tulsa football last year. <laughs> no, I didn't either. <laughs> okay, Bears fans, uh, thanks for uh, uh, 